So, hey, my name is Vince. I'm one of the other pastors here. Delighted to be with you guys this morning. Um, we are in a new series started about five weeks ago called Love Walked Among Us. We're going to continue on that this morning. Um, a lot of people have been asking about the ankle. It's getting better. Thanks for your prayers. Uh, I think probably about a week out, I should be back towards uh, racing all of you on Sundays and stuff like that. So um, that being said, uh, last weekend, I was away in Washington, D.C. Uh, for board meetings with Champions in Action, who many of you know is our partner in Guatemala. Uh, we launched last year a second site through Champions in Action in Washington, D.C., working with refugee kids that have settled there in the D.C. area and launched a camp and a program and a mentorship situation for the refugee kids out that way. Um, the reason why I tell you all this is the trip was amazing, and I'm more excited now than ever about our partnership with Champions in Action. Uh, so if you are planning on going this summer, or if maybe you were thinking about maybe going this summer with us to Guatemala, I just want to give a quick shout out and say, make that happen. Like, really come and talk to us. Ask those questions. Whatever your concerns are, I'd love to talk to you about them. Um, the work is amazing out there, and the opportunity we have to partner with them and see some awesome stuff happen. See you, Sammy. Love you, buddy. Um, it's not even my kid, so that's just, he's just so crazy cute. Um, but if you have an opportunity to go, you should really try and go, okay? That being said, why don't you guys turn to John chapter 7. We're going to be in John 7 today. There's going to be some other texts, but as we keep saying, especially in this series, if you have a phone and you have the Bible on your phone, pull that out. If you would like a hard copy of the Bible, just raise your hand. Our ushers and uh, interns will bring these to you. We want you guys to be able to follow along because there's going to be Q&A, Okay. In this series, we've taken the opportunity to actually ask actual questions to you, and not rhetorically, but expect you to answer back in kind of a dialogue, and so we're going to be doing that today as well. The premise of this series is simple. If this is your first Sunday, you're just visiting, or you haven't been here in the last five weeks, the premise is simple. We believe God is love. The Bible is replete and filled with that reality. God is love. We believe that Jesus is God, okay? And because Jesus is God, that means that Jesus is love. And so when he was here 2,000 years ago, we can say that love walked among us on earth. That when we study the Gospels, when we look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we can actually see what it was like for love to walk around. Listen, not just a loving man that walked around but actual love perfectly embodied walked around our world and cared for people and shepherded people and loved people and won people, et cetera, et cetera. And so we're taking this intentional dive for 15 weeks to look at who Jesus is. What does it mean that love walked in and among us in the way that we love Christ and then in the way that we go ahead and live that out amongst our world, okay? And so the first uh, four weeks, the first two weeks we covered that the central first aspect of love, okay, is compassion. The second is honesty. Now these two things are both accessed through sight that if we are to love as Jesus loved, we have to begin to actually spend time seeing people. That we cannot just allow for this quick glance. That we actually have to spend our time gazing upon people created in the image of God if we want to love like Christ. Because over and over and over in the stories, what we see is Jesus approach people, gaze upon them, know them both externally and internally, and then emotion comes. Then compassion comes. Then honesty and truth come. And then he acts so it's fulfilled and actually then helping. So love is this full cycle. We see, we feel, and then we act. And that's the desire for us, that we love Jesus because, man, he did this perfectly, and then we would seek to go and do that amongst the world today. Now, the desire today is to look at the third aspect of love, and it's an aspect that I think we don't think about too often. 
Like I think of the aspects of love that we could probably name off today if we just came up with them ourselves. This probably wouldn't be one that would come up, but I think it might also be the most important. Now, last thing um, before we, we, we jump into the text here. Um, when we begin to look at Jesus, and we begin to understand the depths of, of who he is and what it meant for him to be here uh, and walk the way he walked, this is non-negotiable what we'll talk about today. This is not a recommended idea for you to love well. This is a prerequisite for us to love well. That if, if we don't truly buy into this church, you cannot and will not love like Jesus. And hear me, that is our calling. Your calling is not to love in your greatest strength. Your calling is to love in Christ's greatest strength. And so what we'll study today is indeed a prerequisite. Now, um, let me ask this question. It's our first question of the day. If you were sitting in your favorite coffee shop, so it could be Fire Creek or Single Speed or Matador or Kickstand, not Starbucks, but, you know, <laughs> something local, right? And you're just enjoying yourself some coffee and, and you hear this date that's going on next to you, right? So you're just typing away, maybe you're doing work, maybe you're doing study, and you just hear this conversation and you hear the guy say to the gal, the gal's like, hey, why don't we go do this? And the guy responds, well... I only do what my dad tells me to do. Okay, now let's just hear from the ladies. What do you think about that guy? <laughs> I'm serious. Like, what are, what are we thinking about this guy right now? Dump that dude, Dump that dude right? <laughs> like, ladies, get up out of the chair and say, you know what, I'll pay for my own coffee. Thanks. <laughs> Have a good day. And vice versa, fellas, if you're on a date and, and the gal says, you know, I only do what my dad says, you need to get up out of the chair and you need to find someone else, okay? Like, like to us, especially in our Western worldview, this is just a crazy thought. This is a, a grown man or a grown woman saying, no, yeah, I'd like to do that, but you know, I, I got to check with my dad. I know I'm 25, but I only do what my dad tells me to do. That's crazy. Now, now I'm Asian, and so there's part of our culture where like that, that's just a reality for my mom. Like for my family on that side, it was like, all right, hey, Pop ruled the roost, okay? So whatever Om, which was, that's his that's, uh, grandfather in Vietnamese, um, if he said it, it was law, right? So in some cultures, that's true. But when you look at the Western culture, we look at kind of American culture, this is crazy, okay? We just don't live like this. We get away, we say, no, no, I'm independent. I have my own will. I have made my own decisions. I'm free. And so that is, <coughs> excuse me, where the problem lies. Because you probably guessed it, but those words were uttered by Christ himself. John 5.19 says this, Truly I say to you, the Son, this is Jesus, Truly I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees his Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. That if we really started to break down, what do we think of this guy, or what do we think about this gal that said, they say, oh, they sound too codependent. Uh, they sound like they can't make a decision for themselves. They don't sound free. They sound like they have no strength or self-will. They sound weak. And I tell you, if Jesus was writing his autobiography, I think those would be descriptors of his character. I'm fully dependent. I, 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 I am weak in and of myself that everything I do because my Father has enabled me to do it, I do nothing of my own accord. So, so we, we judge in our context, we see Jesus mouth these words. There's other ones, John 6, 38, for I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but to do the will of, who, of him who sent me. 
John 7, 28. So Jesus proclaimed as he taught in the temple, you know me and you know where I come from, but I have not come of my own accord. He who sent me is true and him you don't know. I know him for I come from him and he sent me. Jesus is saying, listen, you want to know why I'm here? Because the father told me to. Like, Jesus is even saying, the reason why I've come is was a dependent action upon somebody else. The Father told me to come, so I came. John 8, 28. So Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and that I do nothing of my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And He who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to Him. Jesus, right? Hands down, the most dependent and controlled individual in the history of the world. And when I mean controlled, I don't mean like he was always in control. I mean he was always being controlled. And we hear that in our culture, in our society, in our worldview, and all that we think we are, where we're the center of the universe, and the idea that someone else could control you drives you crazy. And it does me too. That someone else could be making decisions for my life. Like if we just look upon the spectrum and the reality of what you can hear in the news today, it's all about the personal individual self. I'm not dependent. Now, here's the reality we'll find out today. Is that each and every one of us are 100% dependent on outside forces and outside things. It's just a question of what are those things. Each and every one of us, we are a crafted person. It's just who's doing the crafting. Whose worldview, whose laws, whose rules, whose salesmanship do you actually buy into is truly the answer that we need to figure out. And Jesus was settled. He knew where his crafter was, and it was his father. And so he was super dependent. And so here's what we need to figure out. How does dependence connect with love? And that's where this story <clears throat> comes in. So Jesus 7, 1 through 9 is the text for the day. We're going to be looking at the Feast of Booths. Jesus being asked to go to the Feast of Booths. Now, if you're not familiar with what that is, Leviticus 23 is going to give you your answer. So let me just read it to you. Um, if you want to turn there, you can. Leviticus 23, verse 39 through 43 says this. On the 15th day of the seventh month, when you have gathered in the produce of the land, you shall celebrate the feast of the Lord seven days. On the first day shall be solemn rest, and on the eighth day, solemn rest. You shall take on the first day the fruit of splendid trees, branches of palm trees, and boughs of leafy trees, and willows of the brook, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God seven days. You shall celebrate it as a feast to the Lord for seven days in the year. It is a statute forever throughout your generations. You shall celebrate it in the seventh month. Ready? You shall dwell in booths for seven days. All native Israelites shall dwell in booths. That your generations may know that I made the people of Israel dwell in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. This festival, along with other feasts, was established in the law of God to tell the people of Israel, do not forget what I've done for you. Do not forget who I am, lest you find yourself thinking you're God. Lest you find yourself thinking, no, we pulled ourselves up by our bootstraps and we escaped from Egypt. No, no, no. He doesn't escape from Egypt. 
I pulled you and rescued you and saved you from Egypt. And so the Feast of Booths or Feast of Tabernacles or in the Hebrew, the Sukkot, okay, this holiday was set up so they would never forget that God in the wilderness delivered them. It was to celebrate past salvation and present provision. God, you are present and you provide for us now. Let us celebrate, right? And this is towards the end of the harvest and so food would have been a plenty, drink would have been a plenty and the people were called to celebrate and remember the Lord their God. This is a necessary known understanding of the backdrop of which then Jesus is being invited into, okay? So let's finally look at the text. Jesus in uh, John 7, verse one. After this, Jesus went about in Galilee. He would not go to Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. Now, the Jews' feast of booths was at hand. And so his brothers said to him, leave here and go to Judea, that your disciples also may see the works you are doing. For no one works in secret if he seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For not even his brothers believed in him. Jesus said to them, my time has not yet come, but your time is always here. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify about it that its works are evil. You go up to the feast. I'm not going up to this feast for my time has not yet fully come. After saying this, he remained in Galilee. So just to give you kind of a geographical context, in the north region, right? That's where you're going to find Galilee. This is where uh, Nazareth, where Jesus lived was, was kind of up in the north. Now in between, so Nazareth, sorry, Galilee in the north, in the south is where you had Judea. That's where Jerusalem was. And that's where this feast would have had its apex, right? It's where everyone was like, let's go to Jerusalem. Let's get to the feast. Let's be amongst the people of God. Also in the south, that's where Bethlehem was. This gives you some context, right? Where Jesus was born. In between was Samaria. And so there's a significant trek for him to get down south to Judea, to Jerusalem, to be in the center of Jewish life in Jerusalem. And so the brothers saying, hey, listen, if we want to, we need to get down there. The disciples need to see you down there. Now, let me ask you this question. Um, why do you think the brothers want him to head south? Who thinks the driving force behind the brothers desiring, looking at your text, for him to go to the Feast of Booths in Jerusalem? Come on. What's that? Prove him wrong? To oh, rebuke Jesus that he shouldn't have done that? To challenge Jesus. Okay, yeah, that'd be, a, that'd be an option. What else? Traditions? Yeah, okay, that's where you, good. That's, that's where we ought to be, Jesus. Okay? Now, a, dri a driving force is, is you begin to kind of really look at the text because you begin to think, okay, what, what's the, okay, what's the motivation for the brothers here? Like, what are the What's that? To be known. Jesus, why don't, why don't we get down south? Because you know all the miracles and stuff you're doing up here? What if we did it down there? What if we did it in the city? What if we did it at the festival where God was being remembered? Can you imagine the publicity that you're going to get? Like this is a marketing tactic from his brothers. Like this is saying, hey, you want to blow this thing up? You want to be known? Let's, do you want to be known? Don't do this in secret. Do this in public. Let's come out. We had some good friends. Many of you guys know the band Towers here in town. Good friends. They help lead worship at the commons, right? Great friends of ours. We love them. Man, constantly they have people saying like, why are you in Flagstaff? Okay? And that's, I love our town, but we're not the music epicenter of the country. They're like, hey, you, if you want to blow up, guys, you need to move to LA, you need to move to New York City. You, you got to get out of this town. Like Jesus spent his life so far. In his ministry, where has he gone? He's gone to Capernaum. He's gone to Nain. He's gone to Bethsaida, right? These are no-name towns. 
These are like the Yumas of the day, <laughs> if you will. Like, think about this. If, say, this is high, say the Pope, right? The Pope was coming to visit the United States, and he's like, you know where I'm going to go? I'm going to do a trip to Arizona, and I'm going to stop in Seligman, Buckeye, and Coolidge. <laughs> right? You'd be like, really? Like, like at least Flagstaff, right? Like, no, you're gonna, he's going to go to Phoenix. So Jesus, listen, the two largest cities in all of Galilee, okay, he, are never even mentioned in the Bible. That Jesus is going through this ministry and he is not seeking fame. But the brothers are. The brothers are thinking, hey, we better cash in while the iron's hot here. Because Jesus, he's the guy right now, right? Like, like people want to be around this guy. He's got followers. People are traveling hundreds of miles to be with this guy. They're walking there, right? So this is not hop on a plane or drive. This is people are walking hundreds of miles to hear this guy teach. Now is the time to capitalize. Jesus, let's go. And his response, no. <laughs> no, that, that's not... You're missing it. You're missing it, guys. That, that's not what I'm here for. And I love that little dig. That You catch that dig in there where he says, uh, you know what, it's not my time. You guys go whenever you want because you're free. Now, he's being a bit facetious there. He's saying like, ah, well, you guys, you're not, t- see, I do my father's will, but since you don't do the Lord's will, you do whatever you want. It's a little jab, and I love it. It's not my time. I'm not, I'm not going to go, he says. Now, um, you have to understand the brothers here, the family name was really big. I, so, like, when you begin to think through our nation, you, you think of the Kennedys and the Fords and all these big names. Like, locally, you've got the Babbitts and the G's, right? And so, um, just these, <laughs> these massive names in our town. Um, and, and here's the thing. Like, the family name was huge. And so the brothers knew, man, if Jesus really blows up, so do we. Like, like if, if some fame comes his way, like, we're, we're going to get some positions in this administration, okay? We're going to get some money. We're going to do pretty darn well here. That's really interesting because you even see this. Now, hear me. Like, don't get discouraged by this because hopefully we're seeing all ourselves in this story, okay? Even if that shouldn't be too explicit. Like, we, we are the brothers right now saying, Jesus, make me more famous, or person here make me more famous, right? Maybe it's not Jesus that we're using for those means, but it's other things, and we'll get to that in just a second. We have to understand, see, these brothers, they're saying, okay, this family recognition thing will be good, but the apostles, guys, this is something they did. Like we see in Luke chapter 22, the apostles, right before Jesus goes to die, they're arguing amongst themselves about who gets to be the greatest, I mean, like, and you guys have read your Bibles, I, I hope, at least a little bit, if you're newer to the, the faith or if you're not a Christian, I, mean, I just want you to know the, the, the Gospels are filled with Jesus saying, no, 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 like, we die to self. It's not about greatness. It's about descending into service, not raising up on high to be known. And yet you have the apostles all the way up to his death saying, who's the greatest? You've got James and John, two of the three closest people in Jesus' life, And their mother comes to Jesus and says, hey, which of my guys gets to be your right-hand man? Right? First, that's just weak, right? Sending your mom to have that conversation with the Savior of the world, okay? (laughs) So listen, this is in the heart of man. 
just like them, we too will be shaped by a culture that has certain idols, that has certain worldviews, that has certain beliefs about what your life should best look like if it's the best, okay? And so does God the Father. The question is, where will your dependence lie? Where are you going to give your attention, affection, worldview, thought, value system to and let it trickle down into every action of your life? Jesus, again, was resolved. I only do what the Father tells me to do, the most dependent, controlled man, and the most free. Because there's this belief in our world that if you are independent, Okay, it's especially there's this belief and it's pervasive and it grows amongst our communities of faith that this, the minute you step away from the rules of Christianity or you step away from the precepts of Scripture that then you're free. And that's just utter foolishness. You're just enslaved to something different. Think about this. In the 60s and 70s was, was this great movement called the sexual revolution. And it was promised to the people that this will be this brand new freedom that will be given unto the people that will lead towards greater individualism and greater strength, greater empowerment of women, greater et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I tell you right now, every social scientist looks back at that and says, it's probably led us to more bondage. There's a reason why across our country, every negative statistic you can look at in that realm is trending more negative. There's more adultery. There's more infidelity. There's more rape cases. There's more abuse cases. Okay? Porn usage is obviously, it wasn't even really a thing back then, I don't think in the 60s, 70s, at least not like, you know, in the way it is today skyrocketed to now where you have secular magazines looking at pornography usage and they're telling the secular world you need to stop because it's going to ruin your life. This isn't the church even screaming. We've been screaming for a long time, but it's the world saying like, guys, we need to curb this. This isn't going super well. We have husbands that aren't husbands anymore. We have men that don't know how to love women only to objectify them. Now, are you beginning to see the connection between who you're dependent upon and the necessary need for dependence as being a core aspect of love and the way you can love people? Because I tell you what, for all the young and older men that I counsel in pornography, I tell you what, their dependence on that, their slavery to that, it doesn't help them love their spouses. Fellas, it doesn't help you love the women that are on this aisle with you. And hear me, listen, this is an issue that's going rampantly on the other side of the aisle with women as well. So, so let me be very clear. So for the 25% now of women that are using porn, the same thing the other way. You're not loving the men in your aisle either. Your dependency, my dependency upon things that are not the perfect, beautiful, sovereign, good will of the Lord they enslave you and they destroy your ability to love. And hear me, that, that's just one 
of a thousand examples of how we have been so corrupted and co-opted into believing that the freedom that some of this world offers outside of the perfect will of God is actually free when it's just not. It's one of many examples that draw us away from love and not to it. Church, if we want to be a people that are on the forefront, hear me, on the forefront of caring for those who are hurting and broken, on the forefront of caring for the marginalized, on the, on the forefront of caring for every one of these absolutely atrocious issues that exist in our world, we must find our dependence in the Father. Whatever, and listen, we've all got all sorts of issues across the room. You care about sex trafficking? Great. Is your dependence upon the Father? Okay. You, you care about uh, abuse situations? Where's your dependence? Like it all ties together because it's going to inform the way you love. It's going to inform as a whole the way the church loves and is on the forefront of caring for people who are hurting. Third main aspect of love is this idea of dependence upon the Father. <coughs> Excuse me. Now, the important uh, desire for the brothers, fame and fortune, let's go do this thing. Jesus on the opposite end, that's not what I'm here for. I'm here to do the Lord's will, right? Everything I do, I do of his accord. Now, the beautiful security in that, to be able to say no sometimes, is the most loving thing you can do. That sometimes people are asking things of you and the thing you have to do is actually say no and you can only truly do that if you're completely secure in who the Lord has made you to be. Because here's what's phenomenal. We're going to look at this last text here in John chapter 5. Because Jesus is not just fully dependent upon the will of the Lord for what he should do, but he's fully dependent on the Lord for who he is. It's not just his actions, it's his identity that is crafted by God alone. And so John 5, 41 says this. Do not receive glory from people, but I know that you do not have love, have the love of God within you. I have come in my Father's name and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you'll receive him. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes only from God? Jesus is going hard right here. He's saying, listen, you're so busy being tied up with the identity crafted by you, by people in this room, by people on the news media, by every ad and commercial that tells you what your life should look like. No wonder you can't see the identity and value that the Lord gives you. And Jesus is saying, I don't receive my glory from people. I receive my glory from the Father. The Lord doesn't just instruct my will to do, he instructs who I am, and the same goes for you. That, that until church, we really begin to delve into, you are justified and secure in Christ, you need not seek justification and security from anyone else. You are made righteous in Jesus you need not seek righteousness and to prove that to everyone else around you. You got people lying behind your back, slandering you. You know what? Great. Let their sin be upon them. 
Let the Spirit of God convict them. Now, that doesn't mean you don't, Matthew 18, go and confront, try and reconcile, do that as well, but to allow your heart to exist in turmoil because of the words of another person when what Jesus says is the only thing that matters about who you are. You need not worry about what the person you came with thinks of you. Now, I'm not foolish enough to think that it doesn't hurt. I'm not foolish enough to think that I'm just so dependent. I'm not Jesus, right? So I'm not going to stand up here and say, man, I'm just so dependent on what Jesus said. I never get hurt by the negative comments, thoughts, or actions of people in and around me. No, I mean, yeah, they hurt. Do we, do we like hearing the th- like some of the stuff that like Anthony and some of the staff that we've heard over the years, do we like hearing that stuff? No, like it's not like, yay, tell us how much more we suck at this. You know, like that's not great. And I know, and that's, I'm sure you guys have had all that stuff in your life too, where people betrayed you, said things, whatever. I'm not saying it doesn't hurt, but I'm telling you, please fight against the world telling you that that needs to be your identity. And the only way to solve that equation is not by this constant battle and rejection. I'm going to fight what you said. I'm going to fight what you said. I'm going to fight what you said. It's falling deeper in love with Jesus. It's realizing and spending time and reflection, meditation in your Bibles with other people that will tell you over and over and over, this is who you are. You're forgiven. You're the beloved. You're righteous. You're saved. You're his adopted son or daughter. You're part of the family. You're equipped. You're more than a conqueror. This is who you are. Now, in the midst of having a fleshly battle against uh, against your spirit, it's always going to want you to sin and do terrible things. Like, that's a reality of life, but it's not your identity. And so Jesus could say no and could say yes and could fully submit himself to the will of the Father because he was fully secure in who the Father told him he was. That's the gospel. And so we, we say the, the gospel, like that word just gets thrown around a ton, and we do it here all the time. We're like, oh, preach the gospel and the gospel. The gospel story is the scriptures that tell us that in the beginning it was perfect. We rebelled and lost him, and so he came on a rescue mission to win us back. And he was successful through the life, death, and resurrection of his son, Jesus, who in our faith in him restores us to the right identity and reality of who we are, that we might be the right people to go forward and carry his message of good news to the world. Guys, stop, don't, hear, and I'm, hear me, I am so preaching to myself here. Do not buy into the belief that you need to be, uh, that you are independent. We are dependent creatures. Just be dependent on the one true thing in this world, and that's God. And what he says about who you are, and then what that means for your life. Then we'll become, not just as individuals, we'll become the bride of Christ that is a light and city upon a hill. That the city of Flagstaff would begin to look to and this is not just redemption. This is his church here in the city. Like every week we pray for another local church. Why? Because we're in this together. Right? We got to meet with some brothers this week and to spend time and pray with them from another church. Like the idea is, no, the, that the city would look at the church, not just redemption, would look at the church and say, man, there's something there. Like they're just so secure. 
the more stuff we say negative about them, the more resilient they are. The more persecuted. Why do you think the church, I'm just vamping now, but why do you think the church exploded in the New Testament? The more the persecution came, the more the people said, whatever, let's do this. We don't need you because God has secured us and he's told us what life looks like. He's told us that we self-sacrifice, that we lay it down for the sake of the other. He's told us that we are fully dependent on him. He's told us we're righteous and, and, and so on and so forth. And so let me just land with this beautiful little nugget thing that I think was just a gift to me over the last few weeks as we were prepping this. You see, Jesus, in this text, it's not my time, right? It's not my time. It's coming. My time's coming, but it's not my time yet. You fast forward to Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane where in his prayer, one of the most famous lines that he gets is what? Not my will, O Lord, but your will be done. And as that prayer lands upon the ears of the Father, the Father answers that prayer by what? The arrival of Judas who would come to betray him. And Jesus' words in that moment was, the hour has come, my betrayer is at hand. Jesus, it's not my time. It's not my time. And then all of a sudden, it's my time. The hour has come. But hear me, guess what? There's another thing that he proclaims from the cross. And he says, it is finished. The time is done. The gospel story found its fulfillment. Christ on the cross proclaiming, not just my time has come, but it is fulfilled. And so church, hear me, we can walk out of here in fullness of hope, in fullness of joy. Why? Because it's finished. The time has come. He did his thing. He was faithful. And now he indwells the church in his spirit that we too could walk the same way. What good and amazing news for us that we get to go out of here filled by him in a season in the history of the world where it is done and everything has happened that is necessary for us to walk confident, not because we're strong enough and not because we have the American will. It's because for some reason, the God of the universe decided to come into this mess, live here for 30 plus years, die the death we deserve to die, raise the, be raised from the dead when we could not raise ourselves, that we could have eternal life here and hereafter. Amen? Let us be that people. Let's pray.